Holy Father, we join with all creation in confessing that the hand that made us is divine. That is why we're here. And that is why you are here. Teach us now through the wonder of it all. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So I went to Google, the mighty search engine, and I asked it a question. How big is the universe? In 0.09 seconds, nine hundredths of a second, it fired an answer back with these words. The answer to your question can be seen in, quote, one of the most profound and humbling images in all of human history, end quote. I'd like to share that image with you right now. It's called the Hubble Ultra Deep Field Display. It's a picture assembled by a team of astronomers through the use of the Hubble telescope. A photographic image displaying the farthest known reach of our universe. But rather than showing you a still photograph of it, I want you to watch a breathtaking video, three-dimensional presentation. I'll tell you where you can find this in a moment, but ponder quietly now what rolls on our screens. Astronomers in 1996 attempted to do something extraordinary. They pointed the Hubble Space Telescope into a part of the sky that seemed utterly empty, a patch devoid of any planets, stars, and galaxies. This area was close to the Big Dipper, a very familiar constellation, and the patch of sky was no bigger than a grain of sand held out at arm's length. This was a somewhat risky move by the scientists. After all, observing time on this telescope is in very high demand, and some questioned whether it would be wasted trying to look at nothing. There was a real risk that the image's return would be as black as the space at which it was being pointed. Nevertheless, they opened the telescope and slowly, over the course of ten full days, photons that had been traveling for over 13 billion years finally ended their journey on the detector of humanity's most powerful telescope. Their feeble signals collected almost one by one. When the telescope was finally closed and the images were processed, the light from over 3,000 galaxies had covered the detector, producing one of the most profound and humbling images in all of human history. Every single spot, smear, and dot was an entire galaxy, and each one containing hundreds of billions of stars. Later, in 2004, they did it again this time pointing the telescope towards an area near the constellation Orion. They opened the shutter for over 11 days and 400 complete orbits around the Earth. Using detectors with increased sensitivity and filters that allowed more light through than ever before, over 10,000 galaxies appeared in what became known as the Ultra Deep Field, an image that represented the farthest we've ever seen into the universe. The photons from these galaxies left when the universe was only 500 million years old. And 13 billion years later, they end their long journey as a small blip on a telescope CCD. These galaxies, while standing absolutely still, are racing away from us, in some cases faster than the speed of light. The space-time between us and everything else grows larger by the minute 
pushing the galaxies in this image to a distance of over 47 billion light years. And because of universal expansion, the farther something is away from us, the more its light is shifted toward the red and the faster it appears to be moving. Edwin Hubble himself discovered this by measuring the redshift of many galaxies. And it's a measure of not only speed, but distance as well. Recently, Hubble scientists put the icing on the cake. Using the measured redshifts of all the galaxies inside the image, they made a 3D model of the ultra-deep field. This is how it looks when we apply the distances of the galaxies in the most important image ever taken. There are over 100 billion galaxies in the universe. Simply saying that number doesn't really mean much to us because it doesn't provide any context. Our brains have no way to accurately put that in any meaningful perspective. When we look at this image, however, and think about the context of how it was made, and really understand what it means, we instantly gain the perspective and cannot help but be forever changed by it. We pointed the most powerful telescope ever built by human beings at absolutely nothing, for no other reason than because we were curious and discovered that we occupy a very tiny place in the heavens. majestic is your name in all the earth. When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place, what is man that you are mindful of him, the son of man that you care for him? On this creation Sabbath, in which we celebrate the glories of the Creator, let's take a moment and brood over the numbers of God. The numbers of Charles Darwin, we know those numbers. This year is the 200th anniversary of his birth in Shrewsbury, England on February 12, 1809. This year, as it happens to be, is also the 150th anniversary of his magnum opus, Origin of Species. But on this day that is an anniversary for God and His creation, on this creation Sabbath, we'll push Charles Darwin to the side and focus our bright minds instead on the Creator. Take the numbers you just heard that flew by us. How far is it to the edge of the universe we live in? Grab your study guide. We're going to begin crunching now. Whether you enjoyed algebra and arithmetic in school or not, whether they were your cup of tea or not, let's do the number crunching. Take your study guide. Thank you, ushers. Make sure everybody here gets a chance to jot these phenomenal numbers down. You're listening on the radio, watching on television. Let me give you our website and you can get the same study guide. Put it on the screen for you www, see it there, www.pmchurch.tv. You're looking for the series, The Temple. The title of today's teaching, The Third Temple. Temple in heaven, body temple. This is temple number three, the temple of the earth. The third temple, the anniversary of Charles Darwin and God. When you find that teaching and it says study guide beside it, click on there. You'll have the same study guide. We've got to go. Don't get a cramp in any of those bones in your wrist, but right fast. Here we go. What we're looking for is the Creator's wow factor. The wow factor. You'll never be the same again when numbers like these are integrated into your thinking. The Creator's wow factor. Let's look at astronomic numbers first. 
astronomic numbers first. The Hubble Ultra Deep, keep writing, the Hubble Ultra Deep field images reveal the edge of the universe at 47 billion light years away. All right? 47 billion light years away. Keep writing. Light travels at a speed of 186,272 miles per second. You learned that in high school. If you have gotten that far yet, you haven't gotten that far, you'll get that number. Jot it down. 186272. So that means that the edge of the universe is 186,000, keep writing, 272 miles, times how, how many seconds in a year? 31,536,000 seconds, times 47 billion years or light years equals, write this number down, 2.7609868 times 10 to the 23rd. Now, you'll hardly get that down before I give you the number as it actually looks, or you see it right there, or... Write the number down. You'll need 15 zeros to write this number. It's sextillion, 276 sextillion, 90 quintillion, 868 quadrillion, and then zero, 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 15 zeros. Now listen, to help you understand how far that is, if you decided to drive this distance in your fuel-efficient compact car and you kept the pedal to the metal at 60 miles an hour, you could drive to the edge of our universe in 532 quadrillion, 582 trillion, 693 billion years, you'd probably have to stop for lunch. All right? That's how far it is. And if you could travel at the speed of light, how far is it? How long would it take you at the speed of light? 47 billion years to get across this universe. 47 billion What's more, keep writing, the Hubble Ultra Deep Field also reveals that there are over 100, did you hear that, billion galaxies in our universe, each one with hundreds of billions of stars, planets, black holes, white dwarfs, moons. In that 3D rendition, and that is what's so inspiring to me, that 3D, the ending to that clip, and I put the website there for you to get it, the... the, the Every smudge moving by you, every dot, every spot is an entire galaxy. We live in one of those 100 billion galaxies. Our home galaxy is called the Milky Way. And NASA took this picture over Devil's Tower. I want you to look at that. I've made it my screensaver. That is so good. Look at that. That's Devil's Tower and the Milky Way spread. That's our home galaxy. We live near the edge of this galaxy. Oh, when you crunch the astronomic numbers, ladies and gentlemen, there is only one suitable expression to make, and that is, wow! Jot it down. Psalm 19, verse 1. The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of His hands. How can you possibly preside over a kingdom 47 billion light years across? You can't do it unless you're God. You can't do it unless you're God. So we've looked at astronomic numbers. Now let us look at atomic numbers. Jot that down, please. Atomic numbers. Keep writing. Steven Weinberg, high-energy physicist, Nobel laureate, has concluded that our universe is so finely tuned and so intricately wired that an energy variation of one part in 10 to the 120th in its formation would have resulted in no life anywhere in the universe. That's a variation of one part out of the number one followed by 120 zeros. That small a variation, no life. It's called the anthropic principle. This universe has been wired for, for man, anthropos in the Greek. We, it's been wired for the human race. 
Oxford University professor Roger Penrose has written the book, The Large, the Small, and the Human Mind. Jot this down. By calculating the entropy of black holes, Penrose, Penrose has concluded that the probability of a life-supporting universe is 1 in 10 to the 10th to the 123rd. Now, you've got to write this correctly. Our, our, our master producer had to work hard to get it. You've got multiple exponents there, all right? 1 times 10 to the 10th, and then the 10th is to the 123rd. That number, ladies and gentlemen, is beyond human comprehension. In fact, jot this down. If you were to simply write 10 to the 10th to the 3rd, it would be written as a 10 followed by 999 zeros. All right? Write those down. Now, to write 10 to the 10th to the 123rd in one line would extend beyond the bounds of the universe. The numbers would go beyond the bounds of the universe. That's how big the number is. The chances of life creating itself in this universe. The latest issue of Adventist World contains a piece by George T. Javor, biochemist for years at Loma Linda University. You'll jot this line down. The quotation will continue on the screen. It is estimated, Javor writes, that there are between 10 to the 50th to 10 to the 80th atoms in the observable universe. Now go to the screen for the rest of the quote. If these were only hydrogen atoms, the lightest of all elements, it would have required a minimum of 3.6 times 10 to the 39th to 3.6 times 10 to the 69th calories of energy to create. By comparison, the world's total electricity consumption for the year 2005 was 1.4 times 10 to the 19th. Infinitesimal compared with the massive number. While all matter, he goes on, came from the hand of the Creator. It was a gift to His creatures. God is not matter. Please note, only the Creator is eternal. Matter is not eternal. Only the Creator is eternal. But He created matter for us. Nonetheless, the Creator is aware of every aspect of His creation. I love this. Down to its smallest subatomic level. The Lord knows the location and function of every one of His 10 to the 80th atoms. This much may be inferred from the reference Jesus made to God's awareness of the smallest entities of the physical realm. And then he quotes Matthew 10, 29, and 30. And here is, here, here's how it goes. Jesus said, Are not two sparrows sold for a penny? Yet not one of them tumbles to the ground. But your Father does not know. The smallest particles. Oh, the Creator's wow factor. Astronomic numbers. Atomic numbers. And now finally, anatomic. Write that in. Anatomic numbers. I'm going to bring our buddy Kelly up to the uh, pulpit with me now. Anatomic numbers. So here's this skeleton. The, the, the reason I want Kelly to stand before us is I want you to marvel at the numbers. Incredible numbers right here. There are 206 parts. This is a 206-part system, all right? So, how many ways can you put a 206-part system together? If it just happened by random, how many ways can you put it together? One, if it were only one part, it would be 1 times 1 is 1. If it were two parts, it's 1 times 2 is 2. If it's three parts, it's 1 times 2 times 3 is 6. If it's four parts, it's 1 times 2 times 3 times 4 is 24, and so on. If you did those numbers all the way up to 206, it's called... It's called 206 factorial. You write it 206 with an exclamation mark after the 6. Here is the number. Jot it down. The number of ways a 206-part human skeleton can be assembled is 1 times 2 times 3 times 4 times and all the way up to 206, or 10 to the 388th. That's a 1 with 388 zeros following it. You would need that many tries to get this right. And by the way, to get it right, it's just to connect the parts. It's not necessarily to have them right side up or upside down. That doesn't matter. It's just to get the parts to touch, the right parts to touch. 
So how long would it take us to get the human skeleton if it were done by random? As scientist Jerry Bergman, Northwest State College, Archibald, Ohio, his second Ph.D. in human biology, as he notes in an essay I read, jot this down, please. If you could complete one new random trial arrangement of these 206 bones every second. So second. Try another one. Oh, we got the skull at the feet. Come on, do that better. If you did it every second, notice what he writes. For every single second available in all of the estimated evolutionary view of astronomic time, which is between 10 to 20 billion years, using the most conservative estimate, the chances that the correct general position, just general, will be obtained by random is less than once in 10 billion years. So that's how we got it. We got the one. My friend, that's not in the, they're in the right position within the connection. That's just getting the connections. And then Bergman goes on, for all practical purposes, a zero possibility exists that the correct general position of only 206 parts could be obtained simultaneously by chance. And the average human, now you want to factor something else in, 75 trillion cells. So you, gotta, you also got to put those 75 trillion together. This illustration indicates the argument commonly used by evolutionists, given enough time, anything is possible, is wanting. Write it in. It doesn't, it doesn't hold up. End quote. Jot it down, will you? Psalm 139, verses 13 and 14. For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. Isn't that fascinating? About that little baby skull? You already knew that, didn't you? But that skull was carefully put together so that it could get out and then grow. You knit me together in my mother's tummy. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully, hallelujah, made. Amazing. Listen, the next time you're feeling down on yourself, you're feeling a little blue, the next time, here's what I want you to do. Just hold your hand out in front of your face. Just hold your hand out in front of your face and just wiggle these. Just wiggle these. Just stare at that and ask yourself, what's up with this? When your fingers wiggle in front of your eyes, you will see that you are a priceless marvel by an infinite maker. Oh, Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. When we crunch God's numbers, his astronomic numbers, his atomic numbers, his anatomic numbers, we are confronted with the Creator's wow factor. I want to end with this. Jot it down, please. What is the Creator's wow factor? The W stands for wonder. Write it down. Wonder. In his book, The Tangled Wing, Melvin Connor describes wonder as, quote, the hallmark of our species and the central feature of the human spirit. Nobody else can wonder like you. I have a treasured little book in my library that I read again and again. In fact, we took it to Switzerland this summer so I could read it with Karen. Arthur Gordon's delightful inspiration, A Touch of Wonder, An Invitation to Fall in Love with Life. His premise is simple and stark. We are too much, too hurried. And as a consequence, we miss the greatest pleasures and the deepest wonders in life. The scratchy lick of a dog. The fiery glory of a sunset. The wet kiss of a child. The fragrance and crunch of autumn's falling leaves. The cold, biting silver of the Milky Way in winter. Stop. Look and wonder. Wonder. And when you wonder, Christian, when you wonder, pray. Pray to the God of the universe.
who made it all possible. Pray to the Creator. Ah, oh, the wonder of it all. Ah, look, look, look at that psalm. Our theme psalm today. I've been quoting it. Now let's read it together. Psalm 8. Psalm 8. I'm in the NIV. Verse 1. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is Your name in all the earth. Verse 3. When I consider Your heavens... The work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place. What is man? What is woman that you are mindful of us? The son and daughter of humanity that you care for us. I don't understand this, God. 47 billion light years in your kingdom and this speck. And you care at all. Oh, the wonder of it all. The wonder of it all just to think. That God loves me. The great Creator's wow factor, the W is wonder, the O is observe. If wonder is an emotional response to creation, observe is an intellectual response. Write that in. Observation is what this university teaches us well to do. Got a great university, great scientists. Observe, think. That's the point Paul is making. I put it on the screen for you. Fill it in. Romans chapter 1, verse 20. For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, His eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen. Notice that. Seen. Not imagined. Not imagined. They've been seen. Being understood from what has been made so that men and women are without excuse. Paul writes that if we used our eyes in careful, thoughtful observation, there is enough evidence and wonder in nature itself to convince or at least convict the human spirit that an omnipotent Creator exists. Without reading a single word of Scripture, through observation, I believe, through observation, it is possible to conclude that the preponderance of nature's witness is of a care-filled, thought-filled, power-filled being who not only designed the cosmos, but superintends its continuing existence toward His desired and universal harmony and symbiosis. Symbiosis throughout His generation. How did Paul put it? Since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities have been clearly seen. Stop looking wonder. Wonder. Observe. The last W. Worship. The wow factor. Worship. It's the last letter of wow that summons a creature to respond to his creator. For you and for me, for us who believe. Worship becomes our highest expression of adoration and thanksgiving to our creator. Psalm 95, 6. Jot this down, will you? Come, let us bow down in worship. Let us kneel before the Lord our Maker. You see, worship and Maker always go together. Worship and Maker go together. That's the Old Testament. Take a look at the New Testament. New Testament. Revelation chapter 4, verse 11. You are worthy. The Old English for worship is worthyship. Worship means worthyship in English. You are worthy, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power. For You created all things, and by Your will they were created and have their being. You see, worship and Creator are twin realities. They always go together. They are bound eternally in the grateful heart of all creation. Classic Steps to Christ puts it this way. Put it on the screen for you. I want to jot this page number down. God is love. Is written upon every opening but. I got to tell you about my dad. Dad used to do this all the time when we were kids. 
We'd be walking along on the Sabbath afternoon or driving along, who knows where. And he'd see, he'd see, a, he'd see a little flower. We're on a walk. He'd see a little flower. And he'd say, hey, boys. You know what that flower is saying? What, Dad? God is love. We walk a little farther and some birds go tweeting overhead. Hey, girl. You know what that bird is singing? God is love. Every time he'd say, finally we, got, we just knew, God is love. We'd all pipe up, God is love. It's true. Look at this quotation. God is love is written upon every opening bud, upon every spire of springing grass, the lovely birds making their air vocal with their happy songs, the delicately tinted flowers in their perfection perfuming the air, the lofty trees of the forest with their rich foliage of living green, all testify to the tender, fatherly care of our God and to His desire to make His children happy. End quote. Worship. What we are doing right now. Worship is the grateful response of the creation to the Creator. But hold on, you see, this, this, this is truly, I mean, this is the greatest wow in the history of the universe. Can you believe this? Listen up. The Creator of the universe. We're talking about all 47 billion light years of the universe, all right? The hundred billion galaxies. Get this. The Creator of this universe, presiding over it all, as the reigning monarch, the creator of this universe, came down to the speck of a planet at the edge of the Milky Way. And he became one with the human race. Shrunken bones. A brain affected by genetics. He came down. Came one with the human race so that we might see a picture of the God who rules the cosmos. Not just so that we might see, however, a picture so that He might die our death that we might have His life in a perfect creation one day forever and ever. Amen. That's... Name me a better wow. Give me a bigger wow. Give me any number you want. Make it bigger than that. You can't do it. You can't do it. Because the biggest wow of all is the wonder of it all. Just to think that God loves me. Steps to Christ. Put it back on the screen for you. It was to redeem us that Jesus, our Creator, lived and suffered and died. But this great sacrifice was not made in order to create in the Father's heart a love for man and woman. Not to make God willing to save. No, no. God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. The Father loves us not because of the great sacrifice, but He provided the sacrifice because He loves us. End quote. Wow. 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 That's what worship is. When your heart says, wow, could it be true? There are times when I worship. Sometimes right here on this platform in First Church. Spent a whole lot of time worshiping in the front pew in Second Church. Sometimes when I'm worshiping all alone in my prayer closet, there are times... When I worship, when it feels as if my heart is going to burst. 
I'll kneel there, I'll sit here. And while the choir is soaring as it did today, while the organ is crescendoing, while the praise team song, songs are just ascending into heaven, I'll sit here and I'll try to imagine what would it be like if right now the doors to the throne room of the temple of the universe swung open and I see the choir and I hear that majestic strain. What would it be like if I could be ushered in to the very presence of Almighty God Himself. I'm sitting here. I'm imagining this while we're singing. I think to myself, if these walls fell away and I were there and He was here, visible, I know what I'd do. I know myself well enough. I know I would fall to my face. And I know I would burst into tears. I just know I would. I have to keep my head at a certain angle on the front pew so that the people around me don't see me. I would just start crying. And when the choirs of angels hushed and it's silence in the throne room and the one seated on that white throne high and lifted up looks down at this speck of a human being and he quietly asks, Why are you here? I know that when I could find my voice in a torrent of words, I would try to tell him that I am here because you are the greatest God I have ever met in my life. And I want to give my life to you. Sometimes in the quiet of my prayer room, Sometimes in the glory of worship right here. That's what my heart wants to say to Him. If only I could find the words. But I can't. A few decades ago, someone finally found the words to say and wrote a song that has become a glorious tribute to our Creator. I was in a stadium once filled with 45,000 Christian men singing this hymn at the top of our lungs. Oh, Lord, my God. When I in awesome wonder, wonder, consider all the worlds Thy hands have made. I see the stars. I hear the rolling thunder. Thy power throughout the universe displayed. Then sings my soul, my Savior, God to Thee. How great Thou art. Ladies and gentlemen, that's what worship is. 
singing to him how great you are.
Oh God, thank You from the bottom of our hearts. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen.